Welcome back to Search the Scriptures. Good to be back with all of our listeners again today. And it's great to be here and have this opportunity to open up God's Word and study a little bit more from those rich teachings and truths. You know, I've said many times that we're really blessed to have the Bible, but not just to have the Bible, but to be able to open it up freely, to have ready access to it, to be able to study it openly without fear of somebody stepping in and arresting us because we're studying the Bible. We have the ability and the freedom to be able to teach the scriptures again openly without fear of somebody stepping in and taking us into custody because we're teaching something that the government of that particular land has deemed to be wrong, to be bad, to be unlawful. Well, that's the way it is in some countries. If people are found with the Bible, they might be taken into custody. If they're teaching it openly, they probably will be arrested, and who knows what will happen to them after that. But here in this country, we have this open freedom. We can own Bibles, we can give Bibles away freely, we can study the scriptures ourselves without having to hide to do it, and we can teach God's word openly in the public square. We can have church buildings, and we can have signs outside that tell people, come and learn God's word here. We don't have to worry about being arrested or being uh, in trouble with the government or the law for doing any of those things in this country but it's not that way everywhere. Now, in many countries where they do not have such access to the Bible, they would love to have a copy. They would love to have even a portion of the scriptures. And if they had that, they would cherish it, they would read it, they would share it with others. But here in this country, probably most households have at least one Bible in their possession, and probably more than that, two or three or four or five, or maybe more than that even, and yet they're almost never read. People would love to be able to worship God openly, according to how the scriptures teach in some places in the world, but they fear for doing that because they might be arrested. They might be in trouble. They might be separated from their families because that would be against the law. Oh, but we can worship God here anytime, openly. And yet so many people almost never darken the door of a church building, almost never come together with a church to worship God and study his word. What a contrast and how sad that reality is. Well, we need to stop and think about our lives. We're not bulletproof. We're not self-sufficient. We need God in our lives, and I mean that seriously. Now, there's some people who think, I don't need God in my life. I don't need anybody. You sure. You need, you need people in your life, but you certainly need God in your life. God is your creator, and without him, you would not even exist. And God is your sustainer physically, the sustainer of your life, because you see, he not only created mankind, but he created this world in which we live that is so much in sync that it supports life here. Now, people talk about how, well, there must be life on other planets or in moons of other planets somewhere out there in the solar system. That may be. I don't really have a problem 
with that idea, but we've not found any of those places yet. We've not found the evidence of life in anywhere else, but God created this earth unique to sustain life, and particularly, I believe, physical life. He created us in his image, Genesis chapter 1 tells us. Now, that doesn't mean we look like God physically, because God is not physical. God is a spirit. But he created us with a spiritual essence, with a soul, with a spirit. And so, in that sense, he created us in his image. We understand, and we are unique from all of the rest of creation. We understand the difference between right and wrong, between goodness and evil between righteousness and unrighteousness. That is how we're created in God's image. And he created us to walk with him forever. But he leaves the choice up to us. But he tells us, here's the reward. Walk with me in faithfulness, and I will bring you to be with me for all of eternity in heaven. But he leaves the choice up to us, but he tells us the consequence of Disobeying the consequence of living a sinful, evil, unrighteous life will be eternal condemnation in hell. The choice is ours. There's only two choices. At the end of the program, we'll tell you how to contact us, write down that information, and then ask for the free Bible study that we always offer. It will teach you right from the scriptures how to come to God and how to live faithfully before him. As you repent of your sins, confess your faith in Christ as God's Son and your Lord and Savior, and surrender to him in baptism for the remission of your sins. The study, again, is free. We'll even take care of the postage. You can also receive a copy of today's program on CD for free, and again, we'll take care of the postage. So have a pencil or a pen and a piece of paper ready. Jot down that information at the end of the program today, and then contact us. Now, in our last program, we started a new study, and we asked a question. How many funerals have you been to lately, or have you been to a funeral lately? Now, that might sound like a rather dreary, negative question. Might be, in some people's minds, rather macabre. But it's a question that deals with the reality of life in this world. People are born, and as sure as they are born, they're going to die, unless the Lord comes again first. I talked about a lady I knew for many years. She was a dear lady. As she was getting up into her older years, she mentioned to me one day that she and her husband, and I believe she said they had been to 60 or 60-some funerals that year of friends. Now, you see, she really was faced with the reality that as people are born into this world, they're going to die. Sixty funerals in one year. Well, I wonder how many funerals that the morticians deal with in any given funeral home in a little bit of a larger city, like Omaha, or maybe where you live. A lot. How many funeral homes are there in any city or area? Oh, in many areas, we know there are a lot of funeral homes. So how many funerals do all of those 
morticians for all of those funeral homes deal with. You know they understand the reality of the fact that life is short in this world. So your life is short. Are you ready for what comes next? Are you ready? We talked about how people look at the start of a new year, oftentimes, many people at least, and they see it as an opportunity for new beginnings. And so they make all kinds of resolutions to improve their life in one way or another. Maybe they'll make several resolutions. They're going to lose weight. They're going to exercise more. They're going to get a new job. They're going to become a better father or mother. They're going to obey their parents on 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 a more respectful basis. They're going to be a better husband or a better wife. Maybe they're going to move to a new location, or maybe they decide this is the year they're going to buy their first house, going to buy a new car. We see the resolutions go on and on and on. And these resolutions deal with the physical reality of life in this world. Now, typically, most of those resolutions fall by the wayside rather quickly. And so the weeks go by, and they turn into months, and then the months go by, and then before long, we stop and we think, where'd the year go? The year is almost over. And then the years relentlessly tick off the calendar, and then we wonder, where in the world did all of the time go? And so people, they will, as the years go by and the decades pass, then they'll think back and they'll remember something somewhere back earlier in their life, and they'll, they'll make statements like, why, it, it seems like just yesterday that this happened or that happened. Well, again, that's the reality of life in this world. Life is short. Are you ready for what comes next? God has used very descriptive language to get across that very point, that life here in this world is short. And so as a consequence, we need to be ready for what comes next. When man entered into sin in Genesis chapter 3, the record tells us in verse 19 that God told the man that you're going to die. Now, he used very descriptive language to get across that point. He said, in the sweat of your face, you shall eat bread till you return to the ground. Now, chapter 2 and verse 7 tells us that God formed man of the dust of the ground. And so he says, you're going to return to the ground. For out of it you are taken, for dust you are, and to dust you shall return. Again, very descriptive language for saying, you're going to die. So before that particular point, man had the opportunity to continue to eat of the fruit of the tree of good and uh, the fruit of the tree of life and live forever on this earth. But there was another tree in the garden that God had prepared for mankind. And that was the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And God said, don't ever eat that fruit. Don't even touch it. For in the day that you eat thereof, you shall surely die. Adam and Eve disobeyed God. They ate that, the fruit of that tree, they sinned. And as a consequence of their sin, everything changed. Their lives changed. And God pronounced that you're going to die physically from your life in this world. Now, we don't see any 
specific time frame that God placed upon the longevity of physical life at that particular point. And so when you read through the the accounts of the people's lifespans for the next few chapters in Genesis, you find that many of them live to be several hundred years old, some well over 900 years old, Methuselah being the oldest in recorded scripture. But then you come to Genesis chapter 6, and in Genesis chapter 6, we read that mankind had become so wicked so evil, so sinful, that the text tells us in chapter 6 and verse 5, the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every intent of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. What an incredible and awful description of what man had become. But there was an exception, and that was Noah. And so God, through Noah, who was righteous, and his family spared humanity. Out of all of the population of all of the world at that time, eight souls were saved. Earlier in chapter 6, in verse 3, God said, My spirit shall not strive with man forever, for he is indeed flesh, yet his days shall be 120 years. So that's the first specific time frame as far as the limitation of man's physical life in this world was placed upon that we have recorded in Scripture, 120 years. So those lifespans that were going to 600 and 800 and 900 years, that was going to come to an end, and mankind was going to be limited to on average again, 120 years. By the time we come to Psalm 90 and verse 10, we see that the psalmist says, the day, or writes, the days of our lives are 70 years, and if by reason of strength, they're 80 years. So God had limited even more the longevity of physical life in this world by Psalm 90, 70 years, or by reason of strength, 80 years. Again, I know that there are some people who live beyond that, but there are a whole lot of people who even come short of that time frame in their life. So on average, generally speaking, we're talking about, and this is a reality, we see it all around us, people live to be somewhere around 70 to 80, maybe a little bit more in some cases, Those many years, 70 to 80, maybe 85 years, generally speaking. Now, the psalmist goes on in verse 12 and says, So teach us to number our days, that we may gain a heart of wisdom. So there's the question for us. Are you ready? You realize your life is going on. The days are piling up. The years are going by. You're getting older. Some of you who are listening at this time may be fairly young. You may be only in your teens or 20s or 30s. Others of you, though, are in your 60s and 70s, aren't you? Maybe some beyond that. The years are ticking away. Life is short. Are you ready for what comes next? Now look at the, num- the multiple references in the book of Job to the brevity of life 
in this world. Job chapter 7 and verses 6 and 7. In fact, we're going to read a little bit farther than that. My days are swifter than a weaver's shuttle. I said God uses some very descriptive language to try to get across to us how short physical life is in reality in this world. A weaver's shuttle. I don't know if you've ever seen a weaver's shuttle and how fast that shuttle flies across that that uh, the weaver's shuttle, how fast it, cro- it flies across that machine that is putting that fabric together. It's incredibly fast. So he says, my life, my days are swifter than a weaver's shuttle, and they're spent without hope. Oh, remember that my life is a breath, he says. A breath. How long is it is a breath? A second, maybe? My days are swifter than a weaver's shuttle. That's how fast they seem to pass by, how fast the years pile up and are spent without hope. Oh, remember that my life is a breath. My eye will never see again good. The eye of him who sees me will see me no more. Why? Because either he's going to die or I'm going to die. While your eyes are upon me, I shall no longer be. As the cloud disappears and vanishes away, so he who goes down to the grave does not come up. We see the clouds disappear, don't we? Look up in the sky and sometimes we can see them just really moving by. Then they're gone. We don't see them anymore. And that's the way he's describing life. He shall never return to his house, nor shall his place know him anymore. When we die physically, our time in this world is over. We're not going to come back to this world. We're going to drop down to verse 17, or verse 16 of Job chapter 7, and read a little bit further. So the speaker here says, I loathe my life. I would not live forever. Let me alone. My days are but a breath but a breath. Again, very descriptive. How long does it take to breathe a breath? Not long, does it? What is man that you should exalt him, that you should set your heart on him, that you should visit him every morning and test him every moment? How long will you look upon, will you look away from me and let me alone till I swallow my saliva? Ah, How long? You see, eternity is time without end. But our life in this world has a beginning and has an end. In chapter 8 of Job, and beginning with verse 8, For inquire, please, of the former age, and consider the things discovered by their fathers. For we were born yesterday and know nothing, because our days on earth are a shadow, a shadow. How long does the shadow last? Sometimes just an instant. Now sometimes it might last, oh, for a few hours, but not very long, does it? He says that's what life here in this world is like. It's like a shadow. 
Life is short. Are you ready? In chapter 14, beginning with verse 1, the book of Job goes on. Man who is born of a woman is of few days and full of trouble. Few days. And we do see a great deal of problems in our physical lives, don't we? We can see it all around us and we can see it in our own personal lives. Trouble, problems, challenges, difficulties, trials of different kinds. Man, is, man who is born of woman is of few days and full of trouble. He comes forth like a flower. Oh, aren't the flowers beautiful in the springtime when they come out and they come into full bloom? Isn't the grass beautiful when it comes out of the ground and it comes back to life out of dormancy that it had experienced in the wintertime? Oh, it's so beautiful to see that bright green grass come up. A sign of spring, a sign of life. He, continue, he comes forth like a flower and fades away. How many of you have had a bouquet of flowers either given to you or you bought one yourself? Oh, and you put it in that vase. You put that plant food in there. You put the water in it. And oh, they just beautiful. But before very long, the blooms start to fade away, don't they? They start to wilt and then fall off quickly. That's life in this world. He comes forth like a flower and fades away. He flees like a shadow and does not continue. The reality of physical life. It's short. Are you ready? We'll continue our study next time. And right now, be sure to write down that information that we're going to give you, how to contact us, and then contact us and ask for the free Bible study. It will help you learn right from God's Word how to make the most out of your life here in this world and how to be ready for eternal life with God in heaven. We hope to hear from you right away.